The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. Concerts, trains, cops, and the Bible? Lead producer Emily Means joins me to round up the week's top stories. It's Friday, March 24th. I'm Ali Bayarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Good morning, Emily Means. Good morning, Ali Bayarta. Okay, let's get into the news. The Twilight Concert Series has announced their lineup. Year 36, Emily. They've been doing wow. this thing for 36 years. That's a lot of work. And lots of changes during that time. It started at Gallivan, then went to Pioneer Park. Oh now my God, back I remember to Gallivan. Pioneer Park. Yep, back to Gallivan. I love the Pioneer Park days. Yeah. Okay, Emily, I just I want to give a, a, a bit of a content warning to listeners because the next few minutes here discussing the Twilight Concert Series, I'm, I'm going to share some thoughts. Who was in the lineup of this year's Twilight Concert Series? Um, white people who were recently dumped and are about to get bangs. That is what this lineup is. I'm sorry. This lineup is sad boy summer. Look, these are all fabulous artists. I'm not here to say that they're not fabulous artists. But this music is for this weather. It is rainy day music. These artists don't make me feel like summer. I'm sorry. The songs of summer are like Despacito. That is a song of summer. You know what I mean? Like the head and the death cab for cutie. Really? Death cab for cutie. Lord Huron. Like you guys. Here's my hot take. Okay, hit me. These people on this lineup are here every single Twilight Festival. Oh my God, you're so right. Yes. I am so tired I'm sick of, of seeing Father John Misty <laughs> on the Twilight lineup. I've seen Death Cab twice here yeah. in the past five years. And I got to tell you, neither time was a great concert experience because Death Cab is very sad very and no one sad. knows how to dance to them in a live setting. No, you don't I don't, don't think dance. you're supposed to dance to them. No, you lay across your bed with your arms stretched out and have a good cry. That's what you yeah, do. That's and like, it. Last year, they had Lake Street Dive. Lake Street Dive is an A-plus booking for the Twilight Concert Series. Like, it's kind of jazzy. It's fun. You can dance. You get a little bit of everything. Like... Listen, I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. I'm glad that we have this concert series. I think it's such a fun summer activity. Yeah. Um, but it's affordable. Need, it's deeply affordable. We need a refresh, It's though. very accessible. We need a refresh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely what, who agree. Who do you think should come? Okay. Tank and the Bangas. I don't know that. Like, <laughs> I mean, listen, here's what I will say. This is how I feel about the seasons in Salt Lake City. Winter belongs to white people. 
Winter is for White Salt Lakers. They ski, they snowshoe, they cross-country ski, they chalet. Like, that's their season, okay? Summer in the city belongs to people of color. You see us downtown, you see us, we come out of our homes. People are down in the streets. And this lineup, I will say, like, I'm giving it a D for diversity. These are almost all, every but one of these headliners is white and all white bands. A lot of men in this lineup. And it doesn't make me feel excited for sun. Like, I don't look at these performers and think sun. I'm sorry. So yeah. whatever. Kind of I, they've been doing this for 36 years. I'm sure they know what plays well and what sells out. I'm sure they've got research on it. I'm sure they've got, you know, Qualtrics on the case. Uh, I'll go to Rina Sawayama. The only person of color headlighting. She has major bops. Look, I'm going. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to probably all of these. Yeah, we'll see you there. <laughs> Don't at me when you see me at the Death Cab for Cutie concert, like sobbing and scream singing along to Brothers on a Hotel Bed. I don't want to hear it from you. Just know that I would rather be shaking my booty to Tank in the Bangas or like I don't know a cumbia band like. <sighs> anyway whatever we're grateful for the twilight concert series we just we just would love to see something new some fresh fresh. performers let's move on we have transit news which is always good for you our transit queen yeah i'm i'm ready to fight for trains any day of the week um building salt lake broke this story that the Utah Transit Authority actually hates the Rio Grande plan. <laughs> okay, I hates is us projecting, I feel like, okay, because okay. you, me, and Building Salt Lake all like the Rio Grande plan. Uh, I believe disclosure. The, the chair of the UTA board said he's a meh. He's not going to, I think his quote was, I'm not going to go out there and protest the Rio Grande plan. Yeah, I'm not going to paint a sign. But it's uh, a no from me. Really quickly, the Rio Grande plan is a citizen-led initiative to bury the rails so that we don't have to wait behind train traffic and, you know, get stuck at these crossings. And they also want to revitalize the Rio Grande Depot, which is in downtown Salt Lake. Mm So, um, I mean, people seem to be into it. The city is into it. Uh, The federal government gave them millions of dollars to study the Rio Grande plan. Yeah. So it was in the mayor's state of the city. Yeah, so it's kind of surprising to me to hear that from the transit authority that they're like, "Mm, it's a meh improving this transit experience. Right. Well, the other thing about the Rio Grande plan is that like those tracks sort of follow I-15 and what those two different transit routes do is they segregate our city east versus Mm -hmm. west basically and also segregate it racially. And so, yeah, the city wants to look into ways to minimize that divide, but UTA is not on board. Well, it seems like what UTA is saying is we already wrote a five-year plan. We already have a strategic plan for that area. And that plan is to build ourselves a brand new office tower where we can house our staff. And then also, like, we are going to zhuzh up the terminal there. We're going to, like, put some money into, quote unquote, revitalization. But it is not as sweeping or ambitious or interesting an idea as the Rio Grande plan. To which I say, like, girl, who's going to the office? 
You need an office tower? Okay. Doesn't make sense to me, but yeah. I do want to like be kind of kind to UTA because they get a lot of heat for their the way that they use the resources that they're given. And let us never, ever forget that in 2017, the Utah legislature completely undermined a lot of their authority when they forced them under the wing of UDOT, the Utah Department of Transportation, dissolved their 16-person board and (laughs) established UTA governance by a three-person board appointed by the governor. I mean, like, they've been slashed at the hip a little bit. They're doing what they can with the plans they've got. But yeah, it seems like they're not very open to this idea, which is unfortunate because it's a very expensive idea, the Rio Grande plan, and UTA would almost certainly need to be excited about it. And this seems like something that they should absolutely collaborate with the city on. So the Central Station, Salt Lake Central Station, that's what they're looking to revitalize. It's kind of where, uh, you know, the front runner meets the tracks, meets Mm -hmm. the buses. It's like the central hub, right? Right. And honestly, not a great experience as a transit rider. It's kind of sprawling. It's hot. I used to take the train from Layton to Salt Lake when I was in college. And there is no shade and it's just a bad experience. So I can see why they would want to revamp it. But, you know, just imagine bringing that hub a little bit closer to town, bringing it to the Rio Grande Depot, really make making it make sense, yeah. you know? Right. Um, and so I would love to see UTA get on board to toot with this and... Um, Yeah, work together. Let's work together. It does feel like the people of Salt Lake City are saying, UTA, dream big. And UTA is saying, (laughs) they're like, we drive buses. They're like, (laughs) Like, bus service is big for us. We want to expand our bus service. (laughs) How about we dream up an office tower? It sounds like they have other priorities. And I can understand that as a transit agency, you want more people to ride your bus. Like you want to maybe expand services so that people actually hop on. I mean, Um, the ski bus could use some funding. Yeah, The ski bus could use some funding for sure. So mayhaps they should think of the Rio Grande plan as a way to get people to ride the bus. I would say you should join the UTA board, Emily, because you're so thoughtful and passionate. But unfortunately, you can't because it's a three-member board appointed by the governor. Okay. I don't want that responsibility anyway. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. 
Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants. But the complex is located on a dead end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three bedroom work live apartments. So if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. Let's talk about how Republicans are defunding the police. (laughs) So this specifically impacts Salt Lake County residents. There is a new law that calls for Salt Lake County to leave Unified Police Department. And Unified Police Department, or UPD, uh, operates within the county and mostly serves small cities that don't have their own police department. So we're talking like Mill Creek and Kearns and Holiday and like these... These townships, you know, Mm -hmm. and Salt Lake County Sheriff Rosie Rivera is the head of UPD while also being the sheriff. Right. And this legislative session, a Republican lawmaker, Jordan Tusher, said that was a conflict of interest and I am going to run a bill to remove you (laughs) as the head of UPD forevermore if this doesn't get done this legislative session. And it did. And the governor signed the bill. So now it's a law. Anyway. And Rosie gave this speech where she was like, I support this bill and I'm being forced to support this bill. And (laughs) everyone was like, got it. It was a real like blink twice if you're being held against your will situation. Something that's interesting to me, too, about this legislation is that it's actually kind of a repeal because basically like Unified Police Department was established in the first place via the legislature. Like they created an exception because, again, the Utah legislature, one side of their mouth, huge fans of local control, other side of their mouth, running bills to govern what counties can do individually. But like the Utah legislature was like, we're going to grant Salt Lake County this exception where you can have this like countywide kind of police department because you have all these little cities and it's really expensive to have your own police force. And so this because it's such a big county, this makes a lot of sense for you. Like if you're the city of Brighton, it's very expensive to have your own police force. And if you're hearing me say that and you're thinking, then don't. Don't have a police force. Well, guess what? The Utah legislature requires that you do. So you're in this like kind of catch situation. So the ledge was like, here, you can create this like broad force that allows for everyone to kind of pay into the pot and get shared resources. And so now this bill is basically repealing that. They're saying, never mind, Salt Lake County, you no longer get an exception. You are being governed like every other county. You can't have a unified police department. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's important to remember that this is like a repeal. This is not a new bill. Because, again, we are holding on to the end of the tail of a dragon called the legislature. And we're all just along for the ride. 
really good picture. I'm imagining like Smaug sitting on his pile of gold, right? <laughs> like it fit, it's too fitting. It's too fitting. So anyway, uh, the UPD board met and they would like the sheriff's office to withdraw from UPD by July 2024. That's actually sooner than what the legislature <laughs> laid out in their bill I think they just want to like rip the band-aid off but yeah. basically there's still like a lot of questions about what each community's police situation will look like right. and Midvale Mayor Marcus Stevenson he's the board chair of UPD he's like listen I need you to get back to me with exactly what you want your police situation to look like yeah. ASAP and then they can move forward so that's where we're at Everything is still very much in flux. Yeah, it's such a strange solution in search of, it seems like, a problem. I would be interested to see some reporting about how UDP officers are feeling about this. Because we're hearing a lot of like kind yeah. of nuts and bolts of what this bill does and what members of the board are thinking. But like, I'm curious what some of these police officers are thinking about this, like... Are they right. worried about things yeah, like job security? About their jobs? Yeah. yeah. Well, we've heard in recent years that police, our police forces are feeling pretty demoralized, you know, for one reason or another. And I'm sure doesn't really help when there's a mandate from the legislature to, uh, to throw your job security up in the air. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got a story this week that has the people of Twitter really going nuts from Amy Donaldson, who is one of my favorite reporters in this city. And that is a parent has filed a request for Davis County School District to ban the Bible from their school libraries. Here we go, folks. Here we go. Here we go. It's a it's a showdown. Wow. Yeah, this was really interesting because um, basically this was a stick it to the man kind of request. Yeah, <laughs> we saw the legislature push forth a law to ban books from school libraries that are pornographic. It, like it's very, very subjective what the legislature totally decided to call pornographic yeah but basically there's this parent who's like i'm sick of this baloney i am going to submit the bible for review and i'm going to list out all these examples of porn <laughs> in the bible yeah and like if y'all are gonna play these shenanigans with these other books that are that there is some value for um students to read then Listen, I'm right there with you. Yeah. And for anyone who isn't following like the both national and local conversation around book bans, like there is an, an organization called Utah Parents United here in our state that has really been behind this effort. Like they sort of have planted and sown the seeds both with the legislature and in communities. And historically what's been happening with books that are being pulled from shelves in Utah are you know, yeah, we've got this sort of broad definition of like it's pornographic or it's violent or whatever. But like what we're seeing actually play out is that the books that are being pulled are books that deal that speak candidly about things like race, queerness, sex, all things that young people, frankly, are grappling with. Right. Like that is the experience of coming of age. And so 
in response, like that is the runway to this parent saying, okay, fine then. You want to pull Toni Morrison books? Then let's talk about the Bible, which is in most school libraries and hotel rooms. (laughs) I do want to know like what uh, fifth graders are checking the Bible out of the school library. I have no idea. Yeah. Wasn't me. Wasn't me at all. But (laughs) that's for sure. Something I did find interesting is that Representative Ivory, who sponsored the sensitive material bill, he was asked how he feels about this challenge to the Bible. He described it as a, a backhanded slap to parents that are trying to keep a healthy learning environment. And he says that he has every confidence that no school district is actually going to ban the Bible because it would be difficult to see it as violating the code that addresses descriptions and depictions of illicit sex or sexual immorality. To which I say, representative, with all due respect, have you read the Bible? It is nothing but sexual immorality. You want to talk about the rape of Dinah, Genesis 34? Like, I grew up in the South. You want to talk about it? What? You are not quoting Bible verses You to want to me talk right about now. the dismembered <laughs> concubine, Judges 19? They cut her body into 12 pieces. Not nice. Not nice. They crucified a man. That's horror. Well, okay, the other thing that Representative Ivory said was he saw this effort to ban the Bible as antics that drain school resources. Mm. He said it was a political stunt, and I was like... Okay, I'll be in the car. Hello, I'm sorry. Hello, hello, my, hello my friend. <laughs> hello, my friend. Uh, you appear to be a pot. Would you like to meet a kettle? Right. Like, what did you think this bill that you put forth was? Standing in a glass house holding a mighty large stone. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. I mean, look, and here's what we've heard from teachers. These book ban conversations, to sort of bring home your point, Emily, is like, it's exhausting, right? At the end of the day, like, whether or not we have Toni Morrison books on the shelves, these are books that have been on the on these shelves for, what, 30, maybe more years, right? And now we are caught up in this absolutely exhausting windstorm about whether or not our young people should have access to, first of all, how many kids are going to the school library? Let's be real. That's for the nerds like me, co-captain of the Academic Olympics team, okay? Like, whether or not they should be able to check out a book like this at the school library, friend meet the internet right like so i it is exhausting it is an absolutely exhausting debate and i think parents students teachers librarians everyone's feeling that and so yeah look representative ivory if this is going to be the thing that you take up then you don't get to say that uh all of a sudden now you're tired of it like this is your dragon You go slay it. Yep. A committee is going to have to read the Bible cover to cover now to determine whether they need to pull this book from the library. We should send them a fruit basket. That's going to take forever. Some treats, some snacks. All right. What are you doing this weekend, Emily? What's on your docket? I would love to spend some time outside, but I think the weather's going to be terrible this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Is it? I'm planning on snowshoeing on Saturday. We'll see how that goes, but... I will say there is an event tonight that I'm excited about. The folks at Wizard Media are putting on, they're like launching this Storytellers series, which of course we love Storytellers, um, at Midnight Corner. And they've got, it's eight bucks, but that includes a free drink. So 
I think basically it's a free event. And they're going to be showing like short films from local filmmakers and storytellers. They've got like music and dance and like a DJ. And I think it'll be fun. It's like their sort of launch event for trying to get this pilot program up and running. So I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to come. Storytellers at the Midnight Corner. Again, eight bucks. Not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Well, maybe I can convince you to go, Emily. I'll work. I have the rest of the day to work on you. (laughs) Butter me up. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. Thanks, Allie. Bye. Bye. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Ivana Martinez. Our newsletter editor is Terina Ria. And our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Music is by local band Mitochondria. They're so great. They should be playing the Twilight series. We'll be back Monday morning with more from around the city. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye.